My name is Kevin Bates, and I'm a pastor in Sherwood, Oregon. Each and every week, we desire to take theological principles, biblical stories and narratives, and all the genres of scripture, and help you to immerse yourself in order to embody and apply them to your everyday life. I want to encourage you to tune into this online broadcast each and every week. Ways that you can support our ministry is first, follow our Instagram page. We then can, you can like our Facebook page. And of course, listen to this online broadcast on a regular basis. And we embrace and encourage you to make comments underneath whatever social media channel you listen to. So you can financially support our ministry through our website, resonatelife.org under the Give tab. So you are joining us live Thursday night at 8.30 for this podcast. And this will be replayed as part of our Sunday morning broadcast as well. So every Thursday night, we're coming together for this to take a deeper dive. And if you've been following us online, you will remember that we are in the series called Atlas of the Heart. Brene Brown's book, Atlas of the Heart, we're using as a structure and a model to go forward with this series, coming up with a biblical view of emotions. Particularly tonight, we're talking about the emotions created when things don't go as planned. So tonight, we're using some new equipment. We are also, uh, Rob Thompson, our tech person, is behind the scenes tonight helping us as well. And so please be patient with us as we iron out some of those details now. But I am live with Sharia Bonner and Jake Flute. And these are two of my leaders at Resonate. So good evening, Sharia and Jake. How are you? Doing well. Hey, good evening. Thank you. Did not go as planned. <laughs> things are not going as planned, are they? Well, I think they kind okay. of are. Yeah. Well, they so far, are, so good. To a point. One thing that we're, we're online right now. We're we're active. That's right. We are active. We are ready to do this. I have some tea. I'm such Me a too. Big person that I, I I take up the entire space in this screen. So we're using some new software tonight, and I hope that it all uh, it all works out. All right, you guys are well. We're well, thanks. Yeah. Well, I'm good. good. You? I I hope that we're, I hope, I'm good. I'm good. It's kind of different because I'm having a lag on my end. I hope that's not happening on other people's ends. But we'll uh, we'll hopefully. Uh, work out those details in the future. So I have some weird things to bring up tonight because I think that weird is cool and I like to be weird. Uh, some of the um, things that I read about, I'm interested in science and nature and of course on my algorithm on my on my phone or my you know doom scrolling, I get kind of interesting things. We live in the state of Oregon, and so the Oregonian comes out today with this uh, article on prehistoric hobbits, prehistoric hobbits. And it was thought that this species like Homo, um, like a Homo sapien or a Homo erectus or Australopithecus or some of the prehistoric human-like figures, Neanderthal, um, figures had died out, you know, 50, 
some odd thousand years ago, the, some of the last, you know, species. And it was always thought that human beings did not coexist or homo sapiens did not coexist with some of the Neanderthal figures that Neanderthal died out or, or what have you, and then emerged homo sapiens. Well, there is a, a potential Sharia, you're all in the dinosaurs. So chime mm -hmm. in with me here. There's a potential, not not for sure, but a potential that the Homo floresiensis, which is what we model the Hobbit after, the short three and a half foot person-like. From Flores, potentially, yeah. Potentially still exists. There's been 30 sightings in the last... I guess, century or in the last generation, 30 interactions with the Homo florensiensis figure. And I, I read that and I was just like, are you, that just seems so unbelievable. So what the anthropologists are saying right now is this hobbit, this this it, it, it wouldn't be defined as, I guess, like a person like you and me person because it's of a different um, species, I guess, of person. So it'd be a different species of person, I guess. Uh, and, and so anthropologists are saying that potentially they're still living in Indonesia or they died out within the last century. Huh. Um weird random connection i just roasted a coffee from flores a month ago yeah yeah so i know exactly what you're talking about indonesian um, coffee is wonderful it's got an earthy flavor to it and uh yeah it's you know coming out of that highly volcanic soil just think like about that know, for a moment yeah i would like to know like do do they have consciousness in the same way that we do I always thought that the idea of Hobbit was just a made up thing. And I'm just totally, I'm totally enthralled with this story. So yeah. Something so this, is that, a, uh, this is an older story though. I feel like, what do you mean? Is it? Gosh, I can see the pictures in my head and I think it comes out of, there was a this tribe in, in France that were little people like the hobbits and okay. i'll have to do some digging but I, th I believe that they they have photographic evidence of coexistence i just find it to have a prehistoric figure it's just mind-boggling to me to have mm -hmm. a prehistoric figure uh, that's something that caught me off guard. And so, uh, so yeah. Anyway, I just thought I'd mention that today, tonight. <laughs> something interesting, random, but I like it. Anyway, tonight we are going over, yeah, fascinating, right? <clears throat> tonight we're going over Atlas of the Heart. And we are covering the places we go when things don't go as planned. When things don't go as planned. Rob, throw that uh, slide up for us. 
These are the emotions that we experience. The places that we go when things don't go as planned, we experience boredom, disappointment, expectations, missed or not missed, regret, discouragement, resignation, and frustration. Those are the places we go, the places we go when we experience when things don't go as as planned. So do you guys have any initial thoughts about that? I mean, those are some pretty heavy emotions that we're going to cover tonight. Yeah, those are some familiar feelings right there. <laughs> yes. I found it interesting that uh, that Brene Brown actually said that psychologically most of our emotion falls in the disappointment category or much of our emotion falls within that category. I found that very interesting. Yeah. Like the human experience is to be disappointed. Yes. Yes. Or to manage yeah, our expectations to try and mitigate disappointment. Or maybe we mm. can't navigate our, <laughs> our emotions. Maybe that's what is being said there. I'm not sure. Well, let's go over some biblical passages because I think that that's really important to, to cover first and foremost. And so we have our uh, six emotions. Again, boredom, disappointment, expectations, regret, discouragement, resignation, or discouragement, resignation, kind of discouragement, resignation, and frustration kind of all tied together. So Rob says that so, his... Next, social emotional learning is on dealing with disappointment. Mm. Well, sign that us all good. up, I think. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> that may be the broadcast for next week. Yeah, so Rob Thompson is a specialist in social emotional learning techniques. He's also our tech person in the background. And so if there it is. you want to make comments... Um, all along the way with whatever broadcast we do, you're more than welcome. And then Rob will put those up on on our screen for us so that we can that we can watch them. Okay, I think that's there's cool. Some I like being able things. to see them. Yeah, totally. Me too. This is our new software. I hope it's going to work out. All right. So our first emotion is boredom, and I think Jake, why don't you take this one? Uh, you want to explicate boredom for us and take care of our passages and then Sherea you can go over disappointment and then we'll continue on so let's start with those two I guess and let's talk about them yeah boredom um, boredom is not necessarily a bad thing and that's where we most creativity comes out of a place of boredom and so when you when you feel stuck and when you feel like you're either frustrated or lethargic is the two delineations that Brene Brown gives that if you sit in that place that you will you will have a creative outlet of some sort at some point and so sitting in your boredom does create good things 
And so the two delineations of boredom is how much autonomy you have in your position of boredom. Is it your own choice or is it somebody else's choice? And so if it's your choice, you have lethargy. You don't, you don't want to get the thing done. You're procrastinating. You, um, you put that expectation on you. And I think that's what we're talking about all the way through the day or the night tonight is that it is about expectations. And so things don't go as planned because the expectation was not met. And so you either are lethargic or frustrated. And frustration comes when someone places that boring task on you, whether that be work or school or whatever it is, that it just comes out as frustration. And so that is where, that's where she puts the emotion of boredom at. Um, but it's, it's actually a good thing. Um, something that we do when we train for triathlon is that if you have very little stimulus, that you'll have more mental fortitude. And so as you're running to not listen to music, as you're, as you're cycling to not watch things, because you will have, you'll have more mental strength if you're bored in those spaces. And it's when you're out on the road or when you're out in the, on the race day, that all the stimulus around you will actually create a, a euphora. Anyone want, want to talk on this a little bit? I just yeah, want to ahead. say that is very hard to do. I do not enjoy running and I need something to distract me from what I am doing. Yeah, nice. It is very, it is very difficult. And I think that, uh, that's part of the, I think the challenge of the challenge of what is being talked about that boredom is is seen as a good thing um and we as a culture put boredom in a bad thing that bad it's a bad mm -hmm. emotion or it's a bad idea that you should never be bored and actually i remember when i was a kid i was bored i mean there were times that i was bored i remember being bored uh when i would wait and just wait and wait and wait for like let's say Let's say I was in like when I was in band and I did band and I remember just waiting for the concert to start or I was waiting for the, my turn to go. And those kind of times, you know, are just extremely boring. But as a kid, you learn how to be creative in those times and you learn how to be creative in those moments. And I do agree with that, that that our creativity comes out of boredom because that's when we have to be creative. That's when we're forced to kind of figure it out. So when my kids look at me and tell me, dad, I'm bored or I, you know, I'm, I, it's just, you know, will you entertain me? Basically, I don't want to entertain her or them. Um, I, I think that they, a lot of times need to entertain themselves and it's not my job to be their entertainment person. Uh, so, so I think that, uh, I think that's an important skill, I guess, is the skill of boredom. Mm -hmm. um, something you said, Kevin, was um, when you're waiting for something. Um, I think I am most bored when I'm waiting for something because I feel like I can't start something because I'll be in it and, and not want to stop whatever task it is I'm doing. So I can't start anything. I'm just, just waiting. Totally. Totally.
So our, our passage that we have for this is Colossians three twenty three through 24, where it says, whatever you do, do it from the heart for the Lord and not for people. You know that you will receive an inheritance as reward. You serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that what that passage is speaking to, especially with boredom, is that um, put your heart into things, into your actions, into your activities, but that does not always mean productivity. It just means being present even in the even in the boredom. Yeah, for me, that else? passage, yeah, that passage for me means that just because you're bored doesn't mean that you need to have ill will or ill actions um, that we don't need to react out of our out of our boredom. We need to embrace, I guess, our imagination and embrace what we're really capable of or what we want to do. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. But sometimes I'm bored, you know, even when I'm speaking or when I'm like, honestly, I get bored with myself sometimes. Like, this is so boring. Like, why are we talking about this? So I think that, that not tonight, obviously, totally. <laughs> it's like, if you're struggling right now in this in this broadcast, uh, use your imagination. Yeah, perfect. Well, how about some, uh, how about let's take the next one and that some is disappointment. Yeah. Let's just dig in. We how about boredom. Some yes. Boredom, disappointment, shame, death, regret. <laughs> We're going over <laughs> some choice ones. Yeah. Go ahead. Disappointment. Yeah. Um, Brene Brown puts it really simply that disappointment is unmet expectations. And I think, I think we've all felt that. Um, another thing she says is that the more significant the expectation is, the more significant the disappointment will be. Um, and that disappointment comes out of two kinds of expectations. Um, she calls one set of expectations stealth expectations or the things that were we're not aware of that we're expecting or we just haven't communicated to anyone else that we're expecting. Mm. Um, and then there are also um, what she calls examined and expressed expectations. And those are the things that even when we are clear about our expectations, uh, sometimes things still don't go the way that we want them to. And we are disappointed. Um, so we kind of have that same, uh, duality that we saw with boredom, um, that when it's, when it's a disappointment that feels out of our control, despite all of our best efforts, um, it feels a little bit different than when it was in our control and we just didn't communicate. Hmm. I think for me, disappointment I would agree is I'm disappointed a lot. I'm disappointed in myself a lot when it comes to not being, you know, a like good at something or not being the best at something. So I, I do get disappointed a lot uh, in myself when I don't meet my own expectations. 
but usually my expectations usually are pretty calculated so i'm i'm really enjoying goals and i'm enjoying putting goals together lately especially in meeting those goals and giving myself reward for those goals and so i look at goal setting and setting myself up uh properly for goals with some reasonable uh, metrics for success packed around that and I think through things and I try to think through things but usually I get derailed by my own other emotions and so whether somebody makes me upset angry sad uh, frustrated whatever it is um, I get anxiety filled or I get fearful that something's not going to turn out that that'll derail me from my goal so then I don't meet that goal in a timely manner in which I framed it so I end up like kicking the can down the road basically so I get disappointed in my in my self I would say the um, the older that I get like with Amanda I find myself not putting myself in that I mean I just did it the other day wanting her to say something that she didn't know I wanted her to say or do something that I didn't she didn't know I wanted her to do and so that stealth expectation came in just the other day but I, I feel like I'm getting better at that maybe not you guys know me better than anybody so you're probably going you're such a liar Kevin right now you're just <laughs> no yourself up. come on now <laughs> Something that so, but I, I've been trying to work on is um, understanding what the other person's limitations are. So like purposefully asking, okay, so I can manage my expectations. What are the time parameters around, you know, when we're going to hang out or, you know, that kind of thing, just so that I have a better idea of what to expect and I'm not being unfair with those expectations. It's also interesting that one of the dirtiest fighting words that we have is disappointed. Yeah. Like I'm, yeah. I'm disappointed in you or I, I'm disappointed in this. And so it's interesting how much weight our expectations carry. And if Brene Brown's thought is correct, that disappointment is the driver of most of our emotion that we humans are very calculated beings where we are based on what makes us happy, what makes us sad and what makes us pissed off. And those are the three emotions that we know the best. That's yeah. the ones that we can actually name. And so we level our, our disappointment in those, in those three things. And so mm -hmm. do we lower our expectations? Or do have we just numbed ourselves to our disappointment? Or do we just put ourselves not in situations to be disappointed again? Mm. Well, I think we misguide definitely that emotion of disappointment. So we'll take that anger out on other people. We'll react on other people. And so it becomes something different than our own just pure raw disappointment. In our outline, we have expectation delineated out, but it really, these two go very hand in hand. So do you want to, you want to dig into expectation, Kevin, and then we can, we can 
we can engage with disappointment at the same time. Yeah. Do you I want me to that, read uh, the? Yeah, that would be great. Let's read some of those Exodus passages that we picked up because we just went through the book of Exodus, and I think that Exodus is a great book of disappointment. <laughs> things, <laughs> things not going as planned. And so, yeah, why don't you take those like Exodus 5 and Exodus 6 and and let's just read those. Yeah, so I'm going to read from Exodus 5.22. I, I want to point out where we are in the story. This is um, just right after the burning bush, I believe. And Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, hey, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, no, I have no idea who you are. I have no idea who the Lord is. Um, and Moses goes back to the Lord and he's like, my Lord, why have you abused this people? Why did you send me for this? For ever since I first came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has abused this people and you've done absolutely nothing to rescue your people. Yeah. Do you want me to read the second uh, passage in Exodus? Yeah, go, go for, for it. it. Yeah, okay. both, yeah. This is just a few verses later in Exodus 6 verses 9 through 12. Moses told this to the Israelites, but they didn't listen to Moses because of their complete exhaustion and their hard labor. Then the Lord said to Moses, go and tell Pharaoh, Egypt's king, to let the Israelites out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, the Israelites haven't even listened to me. How can I expect Pharaoh to listen to me, especially since I'm not a very good speaker? How sad. So I think, I think <laughs> this idea of disappointment there is a there's a biblical basis for even Jesus showing disappointment and experiencing a level of disappointment. You know, he was a yeah. rabbi and a teacher and and such and then he was basically like just stripping down the other teachers, you know, like like mentally and just really upset with what they were doing with the law. So, and just to people and the lack of love of, to people. So he showed a lot of, a lot of disappointment. Probably can't find that word in his language of the day. Um, um, I, but I guess I would check out teachers of the law <laughs> might be, I would check out the, uh, the passage where he, he uh, he prophesies about the destruction of Jerusalem. Mm. Mm. I think that's probably his biggest disappointment passage that we have. How I wanted yeah. to gather you like under a my under my wing like a hen, but alas, or I forget that that phrase, but it was you a disappointment phrase. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely think that. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're good. No, I was just going to say that I really think that based on that disappointment is a real emotion. And most of our probably disappointment is, you know, people are not. They're not performing the way that we think that they should perform. Going back to that idea are people doing the very best that they can with what they've been given. And when we, have we talked about that yet? Up, um, 
I'm not sure. Not on Thursday. So one, so one of the signature ideas of Brene Brown's book, uh, Rising Strong, was she did a study on sociological study with people and asked this question, are people doing the very best that they can with what they've been given? And, you know, of course, some people said yes, some people said no. It took her and her husband a very long time to try to sort that out even between their their own marriage that did they both agree that people were doing the very best that they could with what they've been given so you start thinking about that and you go hmm i am struggling with that because i know people that are you know killer i mean i don't know them personally maybe but i i know of people that are like killers or i know of people that have you know, committed genocide and things like that. So, and, and we know political figures that just lie and you're just like, okay, are you, are you really doing the very best that you can with what you've been given? Why can't you be honest? Why can't you be forthright? Um, why can't you like keep from killing people? And I guess the conclusion of that whole study was that people are doing the very best that they can with what they've been given. And some people just need to stop doing because they're harming others. So, but they are doing the very best that they can with what they've been given. And that's the key uh, to that idea is that, um, that it's what they've been given. So, so the cards that we've been dealt, the environment, nature, nurture, all of those factors coming into play that, that people really um, haven't done the work. They haven't, uh, they, they struggle. They haven't dealt with their childhood crap. They haven't processed through a lot of things. And then they enter into life very fragmented. They, their responses are fragmented. They're, they're just not whole, um, wholehearted in their, in their approach to life. So they're, they're fractured. And, and then I think about Jesus and Jesus would have a lot of grace with people that are fractured. So people are doing the very best that they can with what they've been given. The conclusion to that is, well, Jesus died for the whole world. So he obviously believed that to be true. Hmm. And he, and he died for that because if people could do better, he wouldn't necessarily have to die for it. So, yeah. so I guess the idea of, people around me, if I could embrace that philosophy more, then I would feel disappointed less. But that's a really hard, mm. it's a hard, th you know, thing. Hard road to travel. Yeah. It is hard. Because I, I even really, if that's inspired, the... Go ahead, Sharia. I was going to say, even if it's the hand that you've been given, it doesn't excuse harmful behavior. Right. Like it's still right. best and healthiest if you do the work to figure that out as you are able to, because not everybody has the resources to do that. Um, right. So I guess I just want to point out that it doesn't get anyone off the hook, um, but it does prompt us to have more compassion and empathy. Oh yeah. Killers do need to go to jail. 
<laughs> that we need to like get them some rehabilitation of some kind. Uh, and so, yeah, it doesn't get people off the hook for their behavior, but it definitely makes us look at people a little differently, I think. Yeah. So here's it makes a psychological us look at ourselves, setup. Right? Of, well, and makes us look at other people. I mean, I can look at myself and always say, I'm doing the very best that I can with what I've been given. <laughs> well, not just that, but uh, what I'm saying is that as you look at other people and you have that, that tinge of they aren't doing the best that they have, it shows your, your right. bias or what you have what you have a lack of understanding or empathy towards. And so I think we've seen that a lot over the last few years, especially, especially very public. Well, yeah, I was, I was listening to a political candidate uh, yesterday and the things that this person was saying was so like the antithesis of what I believe about people and the antithesis of what I actually hold true and close to my heart about just loving my neighbor. And I was just taken back. I haven't been like in a conversation or listened to a speaker that that would be so, this person was so um, detached from, I think, just everyday life and how he was articulating himself, I, I was thinking, why, why are you articulating yourself this way? Your, your point, you can get your point across without saying all this stuff and like demeaning people and demeaning their heart, and demeaning their, uh, their existence. And uh, I was just literally taken back. So I have to ask, it, well, was that person doing the very best that they could with what they've been given? And I want to say no, but if that's the narrative that he's been given, and that's his only experience, then I guess yes. Yeah. But it's certainly ups it's upsetting. <laughs> it's like, we need to give yeah. you more. <laughs> we need to, because <laughs> like, if, if you think somebody, can I just be honest and raw? If you think somebody's stupid, um, then it's really easy just to deem somebody stupid if you think they're stupid. But maybe there's more yeah. to their story than just being stupid. It engages with the, there is a definite right and a definite wrong. And there's the other side is always either evil or wrong. Right. And that's a that's lack of listening and understanding. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the psychological setup of disappointment, here it goes. Here it is. So you're in an uncertain situation where you hope for a positive outcome. Okay. Then second, you believe that you deserve that positive outcome. So you're in an uncertain situation, right? That you think and hope for a positive outcome and you deserve the positive outcome. Then three, you begin to dream about what your life would be like alongside this positive outcome. Then you're shocked and in dismay, surprised, that you didn't receive the outcome. Then we feel at this point, some form of anger, frustration, resentment, or a plethora of emotions that you couldn't control the outcome. 
Uh oh. Is something happening? I'm hearing something. I could hear it too. <laughs> I have no idea, but we do have a, uh, a Kelly, my experience in my adult life, I have tried to do the best that I can with what I've been given and I've been putting in the work to do better, but it's been very healing for my immediate family to realize who I was so broken and did not mean intentionally har intentional harm and that I am growing. The grace is very treasured. Yes, that grace can be very treasured. And I hope, I hope that for your life, Kelly, because as you grow, I hope that people can find and feel and experience grace um, in your journey and learn to give it, to give it well. Is Jake still with us? Okay. And Sharia, <laughs> are you still with us? I am. Okay. I think we lost Jake. There's Jake. I see his face. I saw him for a brief no moment. What happened on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to repeat. I saw him for a brief moment too. Rob, are you with us? Yes, I'm right here. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad that we're hey, at Rob. least three out of the four, three quarters here. Um, we'll get Jake back up. I don't know what happened to him, but that was kind of weird. Can you hear me I now? Repeat, repeat, repeat. I can hey. hear you now. Yes, cell phone is out of cell hell. There you are. I don't know what happened, Jake, but I'm glad you're back with us. All right, so I'm going to read this again. The psychological setup of disappointment is as follows. You're in an uncertain situation where you hope for a positive outcome. I put five $1 coins or three $1 coins in the slot machine and I hope for my positive outcome. Then number two, I believe that I deserve the cash that's gonna flow in just coin plethora out of the bottom of that uh, slot machine. Then I begin to fantasize, realize, dream about what my life would be like alongside so much cash flowing out of the slot machine. And then when I hit a grape and an orange and a pear, and it's not all grapes, not all oranges, not all sevens, it's just a mix. I'm surprised, I'm shocked that I didn't receive the plethora of cash dropping out of the slot machine. And then I feel anger because I just lost the three bucks and I couldn't control the outcome. That's the psychological progression of disappointment. I think we can apply that to a lot. So why does it hurt so much? That's what the question that I had to answer. Why does this emotion, when things don't go as planned, why does this set of emotions hurt so deeply in my life? And I think that, that these emotions are very physical and mental. They're not just uh, mental. They're a physical reaction. So when we feel regret, when we feel disappointment, when we feel like our expectations are not met, when we feel frustration and we feel boredom, in boredom there is a physical posture that we take, especially as immature or children or such, that we take a, a physical posture of boredom. 
we lay on the couch and roll our eyes and we just sit there and go, I'm so bored. Our faces just contort with boredom. So there's a physical and a mental, mental and a physical sign. Why? Because in these emotions, such strong emotions, endorphins are released to relieve hurt feelings. So we have hormones being released um, in this in, in this instantaneous physical response. And so our brains actually react with our with our bodies. So similar to um, like f the feeling of well-being or elation or being excited uh, when pain and hurt occur, we also have uh, uh, neurotransmitters that are released so that they control our mental and physical selves as well. So this is why these emotions hurt so much. So I would say that there's ways that we can overcome some of our disappointment. I just, I just want to name a couple of them. I'm, I mean, you, you two are smart people. I'm sure that you have your own coping mechanisms to, uh, to deal with not being disappointed not being disappointed <laughs> or your feeling of of failed or, or boredom or whatever but one of the things that that i think we need to implement is we need to allow ourselves to be disappointed i know that yeah. seems yeah. simple but if there's no disappointment there's no growth well, yeah, and we have these Bible verses that basically say, be happy always. If you're a Christian and believe in Christ, you can't put a frowny face on, you know, shut up and have joy of the Lord. Rejoice always. Rejoice again. I say rejoice and shut your mouth. And I and I <laughs> don't complain and, you know, don't show any sadness. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about, You Shreya? have the same clothes to be glad in. Yeah. <laughs> Well-meaning yeah. Jesus will never disappoint you. Yeah. <laughs> Oh gosh, what did you just say, Jake? I don't think I want to repeat that one. You have the, you have oh, the I same missed it, clothes. You have the same. Yeah, clothes. the same what? clothes to to get glad in. As in, you have the same clothes to be mad in, and sad, and yeah. But and, okay, all right. Yeah, it's just like your emotions so basically don't matter. Just change. Yeah, to change your attitude, right? Because yeah. it doesn't matter. Hundred yeah. percent. So allow, yeah, allowing ourselves uh, to be disappointed, I think, is a solution to disappointment. Because disappointment ha can help. It doesn't always help, but it can help raise our awareness um, in the things that why did that disappoint us. You know, were my what was mm -hmm. what's the problem there? Um, so finding somebody, so so disappointment, allowing myself to be disappointed. So I'm just going to stove myself up in my bedroom, and I'm not going to come out for three days. That's going to be fun. So I think that we need to find somebody to share. That actually, kind of feels kind of relaxing right now. That would not disappoint me. <laughs> 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 So, so I think that, uh, 
I think that, that we need to talk to people, um, and share our disappointment. And then there's some kind of like that frozen song, let it go, which is just ringing in my head right now. Let it go. Let it go. Um, Letting something go is always a process. That's not a decision. And so you yeah. can decide to let something go and that's fine. And you can be really good at that. And you're one of the fraction of 1% of the world's population. <laughs> the rest of us, the rest of us need a process and it's a grieving. And so what we, what we do is we go through stages of grief we go through stages of struggle of why didn't that turn out the way that it was supposed to turn out? Uh, I think one really healthy thing though, is if you find yourself dwelling on things, um, that has something to do with not having grace on yourself. And so mm -hmm. if you have such disappointment and you can't find yourself in a grieving process and growing through that and like, something that happened last year. I heard somebody's feelings like a year and a half ago and I met with them thinking we had processed through that pretty deeply and came up with agreements of how we were going to, you know, respond move in our and move forward in our professional life. And, uh, and this person, it was like it happened not yesterday, but that day, and I was so, Oof. like, I was taken back. I was taken back. I'm like, didn't this happen? And it was really not that big of a deal according to, like, my EI scope, you know, emotional intelligence that I sit there and go, well, somebody did that to me. It wouldn't, like, I wouldn't take it so personally, but I can't, I can't impose that on her or this other person. Them. And so, yes. uh, them, yeah. And so I... I had to process that again and walk through it again and come to the agreement again. But when I left that meeting, I really realized that this person is not only not kind to others, but they're very not kind to themselves. And they struggle with having grace with themselves more than grace with others. But I think that it's reflected or it comes out as not having grace with others. So a couple of years ago, we did the uh, book of forgiving by Desmond Tutu and mm -hmm. forgiveness okay. is, is not an external action, but an internal transformation. Yeah. So the yeah. in forgiveness, then that's where you're kind to yourself and kind to the other. Right. Right. I think that that's, that's some healing steps. Um, and I, I guess, I guess perspective building comes out of that, giving yourself some credit, you know, like you didn't totally fail. You know, when I don't meet my goal, I feel like I totally failed. Um, oh, I didn't totally I fail. I, I made progress. So giving myself a little bit of credit, giving myself some grace that way, being kind to myself, all that is important in the process of, quote, letting it go. So a really sick response when somebody is disappointed is to look at them and say, you know what, you just need to let it go. 
Now, at some point, we do need to say that to one another. <laughs> you know, we, we do eventually, but in a kind, loving way, not just go, you know what? You need to, you need to let it go, man. That's not, that's not cool. But uh, asking the question, why haven't you let this go? What's really going on? Mm-hmm. So we also talked about expectations where those those sneakier silent expectations are where a lot of disappointment comes from and even for yourself that you have unrealistic mm-hmm. expectations that you may not even know about and so writing out your your expectations or even catching yourself when you are doing things to a a gross sweep gross being big the uh, example that brown gives in her book is that she was packing for disneyland and brought seven books with her to read and so her expectation of relaxing and reading is much different than everyone else's expectation of being in the park all day and playing and so how (laughs) Yeah. yeah disneyland and how does those two come together and so so i think Gotcha. I don't know where the saying comes from, probably the NA or AA or whatever, that unrealistic expectations are premeditated resentments, right, Kevin? That that comes from Fred Bates. So I was just going to say that because, you know, when we get older, when we get older, uh, we start hearing our parents' words come out of our mouth. And my dad always would say, unrealistic expectations equals premeditated resentments. So there you go. If my dad listens to this, uh, props to him. Um, Homage to Fred. Homage to Fred. (laughs) Uh, You know, that's, that is true. It's just not helpful. And (laughs) I think that little cliche, (laughs) little cliches like that, you know, are are great, but they're just not they're not healing, and so that's the truth. <laughs> but you know, when we have failed expectations, I'm serious. I mean, it's just not helpful. So, uh, so <laughs> certainly yeah, not when you're true. having things. Oh, when you're having a flip apart, you know, I have this other saying that <laughs> you know either have faith that God's going to fix it you fix it or forget it that's not the word so that's not the word that like like i've used in the past there's an (laughs) expletive in there but uh have faith that god is going to fix it you fix it or just forget it that's let's be clear that by being by you fixing it means all right god fixing it means that you're going to work to fix it yeah, and that's just stage one, stage two, I guess. But honestly, like those little things that we say to one another might be true. There might be some things that we just need to say, forget it. I don't I don't need to dwell on this. But that's a process. That's not something yeah. that we... And we need help doing that. Because some things take extreme courage to overcome. Mm-hmm. So and lifetimes 
sometimes we never recover. And that's, that's okay. It's part of being human. Okay, where are we at? Expectations. We talked a little bit about expectations. Let's talk about uh, regret. Regret. Oh. regret is one of those words that I grew up in the X generation 1980s and the 1990s in and out of college. And we had those t-shirts that say no regrets. Well, that's a lie. Cause I have <laughs> lots of regrets. <laughs> and I think that I would just, they be may have been a regret. If... <laughs> so I think that, uh, I think that having a regret, I understand that we need to walk through life, not pouring shame on ourselves, or we're just like entrapped and entrenched in like unmet expectations and, disappointments and such. I understand that. But to say live a life with no regrets is actually, it's actually a lie that's unhealthy to tell ourselves. There was a missionary at the turn of the 20th century. Um, I can look him up real fast. His name was William Borden and his saying and it's it's gone down in history i think actually the the no regret saying actually comes from him is no retreat no reserve and no regret and i think in a, in a good heart that that meant well i think that also we have used that to a bad end um, that to nauseum, but also the, you know, are all not, especially as missionaries and in, in Christianity, we definitely have things to regret, um, especially in other people's cultures. And so how do, mm -hmm. how do we rectify that? That's, that is, I think where that saying definitely comes from is him. Sounds yeah. like an intense dude. Sounded like an imperialistic missionary. <laughs> Same thing. Sometimes they're intense. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that the, the issue here is regret is a powerful emotion. It's a real emotion. But I think that our regrets are misguided. We regret the wrong things. So we, we, uh, the, the power of regret is, uh, it's a reminder of decision. It's a reminder of the changes we need to make to shore up our behavior, maybe our behavioral patterns. We have regret over, uh, over some of the decisions that we've made in our, in our lifetime. To say, I regret not traveling the world. Okay, I think that that's more of a, a different kind of regret that I don't think is 
necessarily a uh, a guided proper word to use when we wish we would have done something um, is just different to me and I don't know if it's different to you guys but it's different to me I wonder if that might fall more in the idea of disappointment than regret regret sounds and feels and kind of is along the shame road mm -hmm. axis shame and grace road and and i think that regret is more of what we've done versus what we could have done ha haven't done haven't done yeah because mm -hmm. i mean coulda shoulda woulda has to do with our past but what we haven't done. I, I, I regret not, you know, I don't know. Getting <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, what? Brene Brown uses what did you, what did you examples. Uh, your long pause over. I regret. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Sherry. That's funny. Um, she said that regret often comes up uh, in not being kind. Like we had the opportunity to be kind to someone and we didn't. Right. Um, and mm. I think that that's a great example that really touches on that, um, the grace and shame axis. Right. We were uh, not to tout anything at all. Uh, we were at the gym this week, and there is a once. locker room <laughs> once this week, and there's a locker room attendant, <laughs> and the uh, this guy walked in, and and was screamed at the locker room attendant and threw a towel down the ground because he didn't want to walk across the room to put his towel in a different dispenser. It, it was weird, and I thought he was joking at first until I definitely figured out he wasn't. And Kevin and I went back and forth. Do we talk about it? Do we not talk about it? Do we tell the management? What do we do with this? And we couldn't live with the... If, if we had not said anything... And this guy was fired because he was a complaint was issued or whatever. Like that would be more on us and our regret. And so I think regret comes with a level of anxiety as well that you have to act on things. Yeah, I think it has regret is very action focused. Yeah, that moment for me was a moment of I saw a uh, irresponsible speaking and treatment of another person that was a part of the, as I could visibly guess, a part of the uh, Latino community. And you have a, a white person uh, speaking very sharply over 
some just nominal no issue subject to this to this person a part of the latino community that couldn't speak uh but you know just broken english and he was trying to explain and the guy just didn't have any tolerance for this this attendant and so it became to me visibly a race issue um where i was like wow was that and the question came to mind was that person speaking down to that other person because they thought that he deserved to be treated that way that he thought that he should have just been yelled at and deserved it when it wasn't even his decision what was being talked about it was a management thing it wasn't even this guy's mm -hmm. issue and he didn't do anything wrong let's say and and so i turned to jake and i thought if we don't say something about this and that guy goes to the front desk to management and complains what kind of decision is that management going to make do we lose the attendant because they don't believe him no one stood up do yeah. we, no one stood up for him and we're just going to try to save this other guy's you know athletic club membership you know what are we going to do I, that's what was going through my mind and i think if i would have walked away from that situation and we wouldn't have spoken to management and just to say hey this is actually what happened in that case and if that guy comes and complains to you this is actually what happened we witnessed this you know i mean we couldn't identify the guy nor did we really even want to you know like try to identify the guy um because it's a locker room um but uh but honestly it's like it's like if no one would have stood up for that person that couldn't speak you know but broken english and and such um and he got fired for that or got just reprimanded or demoted or or whatever um sent home early and lost his day of pay or whatever i would have had regret that would have been a truest yeah. form of regret for me right there mm -hmm. i do really like what Brene brown says about um regret being an opportunity for reflection um because yeah. it is a really uncomfortable feeling um but it's also a really powerful opportunity to think about our choices and our behavior um and the effect that we have on others mm -hmm. yeah yeah well regret is also that moment uh where i learned this week that you go outside of your norms and your boundaries of who you believe you are and mm. when you go outside of the, those norms and brown boundaries of who you believe you are and you do something that is unhealthily outside of the norm then that is a moment of regret and it's all a, also a moment like you said of reflection of to reinforce the boundary of who you perceive and believe that you are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's great. 
Well, there's some other things that I think that the places that we go uh, when things don't go as planned, there are some other emotions, but it's 940 and we are 10 minutes over. And so uh, we did want to go over some more uh, tangibles tonight, but we're not going to get to them, which is which is fine. Um, but let's just take one moment, just one minute to uh, to talk about two more um, or three more emotions and just to read them and to reinforce them is the places that we go when we things don't go as planned we feel discouragement we might feel resignation i quit right so we just quit but then frustration frustration and the definitions of those is discouragement as i'm losing my confidence and enthusiasm about any effort i'm losing the motivation and confidence to persist resigned or resignation is i've lost my confidence and enthusiasm about any future effort i've lost the motivation and confidence to persist and frustrated is something that feels out of my control is preventing me from achieving my desired outcome So one of the just ending thoughts that I have for us is what I'll call creating breathing spaces to create breathing spaces. And one of the things that I think that is very important is I learn in the Bible where Jesus went to lonely places to pray. I read in other just books in general about creating space to have emotion let's call when something happens to you and it's something that you did not plan let's call that a stimulus so we have a stimulus that happens in our life and this is something that a gentleman by the name of dave stuchel taught me years ago on a fishing boat out in the middle of a lake he says when we have a stimulus happen so something occurs in our life a failed expectation we have a moment of boredom where people are not entertaining me anymore or things are not as exciting as anymore. That's a stimulus actually in our life. We feel a disappointment. We actually might even enter into a regret where we actually did something that went outside of our value system and we have to reevaluate. We might feel discouraged. We might feel like I, I just lost everything. I'm in a resignation point or frustration. Those are the stimuli in our life that something doesn't turn out the way that I thought it was going to. And I've ex experienced this stimulus. The next, the next moment in your, in your life, I want you to think about when you experience stimulus, those next moments, I hope and I pray that you can create breathing spaces to where you take a pause you have a stimulus and then you pause where there's a breathing space. This is something that I need in my life, especially lately where I, I feel stimulus and something's happening inside of me. And then I need to learn more how to, how to pause to create a breathing space in my life so that 
I can respond in a healthier way. So how do you create that breathing space? Well, there's mindfulness practices that we can do. Uh, yoga talks about finding your breath. The yoga practice is finding your breath. I think that really spending enough time in a space of solitude and quiet, spending enough time in a place of meditation and mindfulness so that you know what it feels like, that you know that it's, it, that it's familiar ground for you, that it's a place that you know you can go to and that you are permissive to go there, that you're giving yourself permission to actually go to a breathing space to where you experience some kind of stimulus and something smacks you in the face and then you, you don't know what to do and our natural response, our fight or flight, is to fight back. I feel disappointed, so I'm going to disappoint. Um, usually is the same kind of feeling. Um, when, we, when you feel frustration, I'm going to create frustration. So uh, instead of responding in ill ways, create a breathing space in your life. That pause, stimulus pause, and then... We can begin to form in those breathing spaces. We can begin to form a proper response, a healthier response, a more adequate response, a loving your neighbor response, a more Jesus-like response that we can enter into the response after the breathing space and after the stimulus. We're not just reacting out of a, an emotion. That takes a lot of hard work. That is the hard work. Um, and spending enough time in mindfulness practice so that we're familiar with what that feels like, what you perceive it to be like, and giving yourself permission to go there. All right, that's all that I have. Any closing thoughts by the two of you that you can share for us tonight? I think those are all great. Thank you for that. The, the pause in this response was great. Mm-hmm. That's sure, a good place to close it. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. Those of you who jumped in and jumped out. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed this uh, broadcast tonight. It's very helpful. Uh, even if it was just the three of us online tonight, I feel like I learned something from the two of you. So thank you for uh, including yourself and your thoughts into tonight's broadcast. And so we will see you all on Thursday of next week at 8.30 Pacific Standard Time. That's when we meet live to do this broadcast. Again, it's replayed on Sunday morning as a part of our Sunday morning lineup. And so we hope that uh, well, if you missed part of this, you can jump in at any time because it's online. You can just click on the play and just listen to it over and over and over again. Um, if you find value in it, play it to for your, your heart's friends. Content. Make sure you share this with with your to your heart's content. Make sure that you share this on your uh, on your social media channel that you listen to it on uh, to uh, share it with your friends and the people that you know. Um, and with that, good night, everybody. Have a wonderful evening. <laughs> Oh, thanks, Rob. <laughs> <laughs>